0: So go to Amazon on March 8th and you can get the Kindle version for only ninety-nine cents. Just search for the book title, The Eternal Optimist. It's never too late. And you can download it directly to your device. That's it for me. Let's get into today's episode. Welcome to the Eternal Optimist Podcast. Your host Matt Drink on here. Today we have a very special guest. His name is Rich Campy. He's the CEO of Pro Advisor Coach. This is the coaching firm I've been working with for the past eight years. Rich has become a dear friend to me in this time. We met on December 14th, 2012 at Bentley's on 27th, a nice restaurant in uptown Charlotte. We're on the 27th floor overlooking the city at the Charlotte Chamber of Commerce Christmas party. There are 50 people in the room. I met Rich for the first time. We're sitting at this table together and we want to up the game at this party. So when the leader of the chamber is introducing people, Rich and I decide to rally our team. We all stand up together at the same time. We start singing deck the halls, pitch perfect style uh, in front of the whole crowd. And before you know it, another table stood up and then another and the party really got rocking and rolling. And that is how I met Rich Campy and determined that this is gonna be a friend of mine. Uh, Almost two years later, I started to work with that company, Pro Advisor Coach. That's where I work now. So very excited to introduce my dear friend Rich. He's not just someone that I work with, he's also a mentor, he's a coach, he's a dear friend. So many things about Rich I could share, he's fascinating. He has so many levels and depths. I call him the wizard because sometimes he starts to speak on stage when he's giving keynote addresses and he starts to go into wizard speak and talk in these very visionary tongues. It's amazing to hear him speak. He can be very captivating. Today, he's going to share with us in this interview many of the challenges that have helped Make him the person he is today. I wanna prepare you though, because he's gonna share some challenging things, some things that we, many of us who are parents would never want to undergo, and he's been through them. He is the picture of success on the outside, inside, deep down, he has overcome some tremendous challenges and riches. He has openly shared a number of them with us today. This conversation does get emotional. It is one that he goes into a place that He really shares his feelings and shares what they deep down around several key challenging things in his life. One of those is when he was four years old, he was diagnosed with a terminal illness right there. Imagine that and how that impacts the way that you look at things moving forward. His first business that he ran flat out failed, led him to a, a very deep depression that he had to be nursed out of. He shares that story. He went through a divorce, which was challenging for him and his children. He went through the death of a 33-year-old son just last year. Many things that Rich has seen in his life and done in his life have been shaped by these challenges. And all of us have these challenges out there, right? Rich goes deep and shares how he got through them, the lessons he's learned, and how that's helped him to create this amazing future vision of the world. The second half of our conversation is about that future vision. And he talks about performance versus presence model, the old industrial revolution model versus the wave of the future and where we're going. He talks about his greatest teachers being the things that are the greatest frustrators. Rich Campy is an amazing human being. He's a dear friend and he goes deep down the rabbit hole in this future vision. I hope you enjoyed this conversation today with my dear friend, Rich Campy. Hello, and welcome to the Eternal Optimist Podcast, the show for optimists by optimists. This is the show for people who see the good in the world and want to make a positive difference in the lives of their families and communities. Each week, you'll hear inspiring stories that will get you thinking bigger and playing more offense in life. With your host and high-performance coach, Matt Drinkon. it is a deep pleasure of mine to welcome a dear friend of mine to our podcast today. This is Mr. Richard David Campy. Rich Campy has been a friend for a long time. He's been a mentor. Uh, He's been someone that I have just loved for the longest time. Someone I deeply respect. He's taught me a whole lot in the business that we're in together in coaching. So Rich, it's just an absolute pleasure to have you here today. Uh, How are you, my friend?
1: Well, I appreciate the invite and being here. Always great to connect with you and we are looking forward to
0: this. Heck yeah. Let's dive in then, shall we? To kick things off here, Rich, uh, I want to set the stage for what's going to happen today. You know, we'll give you a chance to share with the listeners a little bit about yourself and what they need to know that they didn't hear already in the bio. And we're going to talk about some really deep, challenging things that you know, our listeners can learn from someone who has, to some degree, experienced mastery, you know, whether it's in business or it's in life. You know, there's a lot that we can learn from you. I know that you're really deep. And I know you're amazing and you can go in a number of different directions with, with philosophy, with business, with faith, talk about parenting with people. There are so many different ways that you are content rich in your learnings and your experiences. And I'd love to go into some of the, the deeper things, the challenging things and help our listeners get a taste of, you know, here are the things that someone who has experienced success, here are some of the things that they've learned. That you can learn too, friends. You know, it's not all sunny shores up here in the top. Also, under the water, you're the duck that's going a million miles an hour. And I'd love to get under that waterline and hear, you know, some great stories from you because I know that you're you're chock full of them. So that's where we'd love to go today. And uh, well, I guess to kick things off, can you share with our listeners what are a couple things they need to know about Rich Campy, just to kick us off here?
1: We spend half our time between St. Simon's Island and Lake Norman, North Carolina, outside of Charlotte. So that's uh, it's the first really kind of last couple years back and forth with that, and trying to figure that out. And uh, that's been nice. I'm into anything on a board, so uh, a one wheel, uh, electric skateboard, a snowboard. I'm just getting ready to take some lessons on kiteboarding on the ocean, on the Atlantic. So anything on a board is fun. Uh, we have five kids, three. Grandkids, and uh, I'm in my second marriage. Um, I feel like I, I learned a lot the first time, and and that's you know that was tough. That was really tough. So maybe we'll dive into that some more too. And uh, but between Lori and I, we have five kids, and we'll uh, I'm sure talk some more about that as we go forward. So
0: <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I, I, you hit on something, uh, you're sometimes between St. Simons and and Lake Norman, North Carolina. Uh, so I, if you could share with the listeners, you know, I know personally, some of the stories you share with me, uh, if you're open to it, can you share a little bit about how you got to the place that caused you to be between two places?
1: Uh, three years ago on Memorial day, I came back from golfing and, um, in fact, man, it might even been with you actually now that I think about it. <laughs> but we were I was golfing and I came back and Lori had said it was part of our dream on our vision board for us to get to the beach. And she didn't want to drive any more than five hours, but wanted to have the warmest climate we could possibly have. And so when you when you go from Charlotte, North Carolina, you start going down the Atlantic Ocean, down the coastline, St. Simon's Island in Georgia is five hours, so you're getting the warmest weather. We didn't really want to be in Florida, uh, humidity, hot, you know, so we wanted to kind of get as close as we could, but still have a five-hour drive. And I'd never heard of St. Simon. So I came back, Lori said, hey, look, I found this place, five hours, right on the beach and show me this property. And I thought, wow, like never even heard of this place. Let's go tomorrow, which with five kids is unheard of that we'd have Memorial Day weekend open like that. And yet we did. And so we jumped in the car and booked an Airbnb and stayed that weekend and just fell in love with the island and its people and just the community. And and so, yeah, that's that's what led us. And that, that was really a whole story in itself because it was, you know, probably a 10-year, 10, 10 to 20-year retirement goal to ultimately get to the island, retire there, or whatever retirement actually looks like. I'm learning a lot more about what that means at this point, too you know it, it just kind of one door opened after another and if there's one thing i've learned it's like we don't you don't have to have all the answers and so in this situation we got here to the island and it said you know we wanted to meet the the realtor just to see the place and i've always believed in you know, step into those places that you want to go before you're there, right? If there's a car that you want, then go sit in that car and feel what that's like. And so like, well, let's just go in that house and experience it. And then that led to the realtor saying, well, do you want to meet the owner? And, you know, the house was, uh, I don't know, everything's relative, I guess, but it was, you know, fairly expensive in the $2 million range. And I said, wow, there's just no way that that works in our budget. But the realtor said, well, you want to meet the owner. And I Well, just as long as he knows that, hey, look, I I don't know, I I don't want to create false pretense. I didn't want to, I, I wanted to make sure he knew that maybe the timing wasn't definitely at that point. felt like it wasn't the timing, but yet I was curious. And so, oh, no, 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 absolutely. And so it was really interesting because then I met the owner, we became very good friends. And I realized that going through that process is that it wasn't so much like buying a primary house as it was buying a business and I knew business and I work with a lot of successful business owners and we've had a business a long time. So it was, it was totally different than I thought of how to go about purchasing real estate. And now looking back, right, we have nine properties on and a lot of investment on the Island And, and just real estate is just such a great way to invest. And especially all that happened with COVID and where we are and, and timing. So a lot's happened in the last three years. Um, when 9-11 happened, I had purchased see, 11 properties in Charlotte, North Carolina, and none of them with my own money. I had zero out-of-pocket for all those properties, all foreclosed on, zero out-of-pocket. And so I was able to 1031 all of those over to the business and then kept accumulating properties you know, along the way. And I really believe in vacation rentals especially in in destination spots because i don't know we really love it my wife lori has really taken ownership of that and and i can focus more on pro advisor coach and she's really enjoyed the hosting and the interaction with people from really all over the world they come to visit and that's just been such a gift to have that experience a lot lots happened in that area of saint simon to lake norman and then i used to think you know i'd be at places you know traveled in many incredible places and i'd always see like this great golf course and like there's an empty house and I, i never see people in the house i'm like why i don't get that right now i get it because having money sitting in real estate even if it's empty is better than many other places it could sit and so when you look at it and even if you're not renting it just from the appreciation alone and what the real estate market has done and what it could do it's it's a great part of diversifying a portfolio for sure
0: well, how are you using, uh, say you run real estate right now, how are you using real estate to drive you forward towards uh, your vision, your dream? you elaborate on that, real estate and, and your vision and dream?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. It, you know, you get to a, a point where you realize that, and I, and I guess many would call this retirement, right? But where you realize that your cash flow, very conservatively. And of course, anything can happen, right? I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, God's ultimately in control. You kind of get to a point where you realize that you don't have to work anymore, right? And and uh, although many people spend their whole life kind of working towards that place, um, at least what I found, it's like almost like an uncle, your young kid, and they have something behind their back. And you're like, hey, what's behind your back? And he's like, you're five-year-old, 10-year-old, 15, 20, 30, 40. And you keep wondering what's behind your back? What's behind your back? And then you're like 50 years old and he goes, guess what? Here it is. And, and he shows you and it's like nothing. And you're like, what, what do you mean it's nothing? Right. I think a lot of times in life we're pursuing or chasing things into the external world. You know, I can't wait till I retire or buy that dream house or get to go on vacations all over the world or, you know, do these things. And that's, that's a really interesting space for me as I look at where we are right now, because for me, it's really had to evolve these little seeds that I had at 18 years old. When I first discovered coaching with Tony Robbins, it was like this whole new world opened up to me. I like, what? I never learned that in school. I never learned that we have a choice in the way we think that we can, you know, manage our state of mind, that there were belief systems that successful people have or had and and ways of thinking that were much different so you know kind of back to that vision piece for me my big vision right now is 12 by 12 which is teams at pro advisor coach with 12 coaches on each team so you know 144 coaches on the team and that's really really juiced me up because it's it's like i really want to help leave something behind that can bring that light that love that encouragement to the next generations and you know just like i received at 18 i mean it was just such a gift that i want to scream it from the mountaintops like hey everybody you've got to know there's there's another way which to me is ultimately our faith and god and and a bigger place yet there's definitely strategies around that and so that's led to that. And so it's really been nice to actually use the real estate and some of these other things to to fund, to fuel, to invest more into Pro Advisor Coach to find new ways to make it even better. And um, I've been very blessed. I'm very grateful. I've had friends that say you want to go public with the company, do you want to do all these? And I said, you know, I've really wanted to keep it to the original vision and, and be able to hand it off to the next. Generation of coaches, right? Like yourself that can then take it to the next generation. And and because to me, it's so much more than about the money. Yeah. We do well and we have great lifestyles, but it's so much deeper to me. It's a calling. It's something that, and it's kind of, you know, back to the sweet spots, right? Passion, purpose, profit. And if you can do something you love, really love, like passionate about and be great at it and make great money with great people. I just I mean that's it like that that's that's the deal that that just really juices me up.
0: What do you think are some of the biggest obstacles or challenges that you might be facing right now that might try to slow you down on the way to achieving this vision and dream, Rich?
1: Yeah, the the biggest one is the um technology. technology is so important uh because it creates so many efficiencies in so many ways. Yet there's when you really start looking at the whole picture of a flow from you know a new coach or a new client from lead generation all the way through the cycle of billing and joint work and payouts and and delivering a high-end Disney four seasons experience, there's a lot behind that, right? Look look at like because I see pro advisor coach manifesting to similar how we'd see Lyft or Uber or Airbnb where there's this center of the wheel that that lets clients and coaches connect in very organic great ways with amazing tools and resources and templates and you know joint works i I really there's a lot to that and and it's been challenging i mean we've got you know development teams in in different countries we've got project managers i mean there's a lot there and it's uh it can get expensive real fast and there can be a lot of scope creep. So defining the projects, focusing it on them, having really clear project plans I found is really, really important because it just so easy, just like in life to spear off the track, right? We end up rabbit holes, right? We want to develop this wow experience for clients. And all of a sudden we're doing something totally different. That's taking us off track and, just really really important to keep that focus
0: yeah when you find yourself into a rabbit hole and I know that there are any number of ones you can get into as you scale a business this size uh, how do you bring yourself back to the vision when you get distracted by you know just some shiny light or some some rabbit holes we call
1: it yeah great question I, I really uh, because I know that my natural place is that high practical innovative, push the envelope around what's possible, that's a that's a, a fairly easy place for me to go into that possibility, you know, space. So I, I do my best to surround myself with others that are very structured. One thing I'm really proud of at Pro Advisor Coach, for example, is that we have nobody and the entire organization salary or by the hour everyone is paid on a performance basis, gamification through the platform, everybody. And so that is a totally different way of thinking. I talked to really great friends. And they're like, oh, my assistant didn't show up or someone's out sick. I was just talking to a really good friend yesterday and, and he was telling me about his significant other that he's with and she works at the bank. And she said, it's just unbelievable how she's carrying this heavy, heavy load right now because one person broke their leg, one person's out for sick, one had planned vacation. And what happens in a lot of those environments is that people say, well, I'm going on vacation. They expect it's all going to be done, but who, where does that land, right? So it lands on the manager, the owner, and entrepreneurs can really deal with this where you know they set up these cultures of dependency and co- codependency where it's not uncommon that an employee is like, hey, look, when I'm done, I'm done. I leave, I leave, and if I get sick, I just call in. If something's going on with the kids, I just... But what if there were four or five really important things that day that had to be done and then employee gets sick? Then multiply that by multiple people. Now where does all that land? That lands on the entrepreneur, the business owner. And I just I think we're 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 on to something really big with gamification, performance-based setups that are natural cause and effect, deserving models not creating and enabling. I, I honestly think that the employees of, of the future will be known as the slaves of the past. I, I just think that whole thing is changing. And if someone takes 10 minutes to get something done or eight hours to get something done, why does it matter? I, I really don't care. I mean, so performance-based systems has really been big.
0: I love the idea. I love to go deeper into it uh, and talk about the culture of dependency, codependency, I and mean, we can see this filtering throughout many places. You, know, you can see it all throughout maybe government or other other places that uh, are, are very prominent nowadays. So that, and then the concept of you know the the slaves of the past that might have some some language around it that could be you know charging to some people. So if you could kind of go a little bit deeper into the culture of dependency and, you know, that slaves the past. That feels like something that uh, might need some explanation. Please. I,
1: I think that the employee type model worked really well in the industrial revolution, right? We we needed that. I mean, we had assembly lines, people worked at a company for a long period of time. There was this relationship that was there, you know, the, the retirement funds and the pensions. And at that time, you know organizations needed the manpower and it was just do these tasks over and over and over again and and i believe we've evolved as a race and as a country that people are thinking more right they don't want to just follow this widget type path they they want more and they're demanding more right they want to they want to work from places that are like st simons or other unique areas work from a vacation and and have that family flexibility life in place right and not have to be at a certain location not have to punch in i mean there's people now that are working remote and they're tracking their hours on the computer and again i just think it's more up to the business owners the leaders to be clear about the role it takes more time on the front end right but it's so much better Because when you think about goals like an organization, let's put it into some buckets. Lag goals, lag behind, right? So if you and I, Matt, said, hey, we want to create an apple orchard, we can't just like say we want an apple orchard and think that we're going to start that from scratch and show apple trees tomorrow, right? All we got is apple seeds. That's what we have. So they lag behind to grow the trees, to have the trees, to show the apples. It's going to take some time. So lag goals are things that, take some time to get there and when i look at a business these are things like you know gross revenue net income total employees retention of clients developing large systems overall so like things that take time to get to well if you start there and let's say it's a, a goal of whatever that is uh you know, a hundred thousand in dollars of net income or a billion dollars in net income. It, it's just whatever that lag goal is, and so many employees on the team, whether it's a hundred or you know, a hundred thousand, you start with the end from a company standpoint. What does it look like? Then you break those lag goals down into your leadership team and say, Okay, so if we had you know a hundred thousand dollars of you know net income, then who on our team owns that, right? So maybe someone, maybe the owner owns fifty thousand of the total and another person owns twenty thousand another one owns twenty and another owns ten you start splitting that up to the organization with the lag and then where this really humps like where it takes off and this is where it's performance based is that with our gamification platform and and I I think it's a great platform right don't and I'm very biased because we created it and it was for this intention. Like we had to create something that didn't exist to track and measure this stuff. But I, I think you can do it in other ways because the, the concept, the, the principle is that you want to tie together the lead indicator's performance. So if you, if you give you an example, if we just brought on someone new to the team uh, here recently and her, uh, well, it's just you or her or him. I don't want to call anyone out, but let's just say their targeted compensation for the year is, let's make it 60000 Okay, so we know the targeted comp 60000 so that's $5,000 a month that we have available that they can earn. So now we define the most important things that have to be done consistently every week that will give us the best chance to achieve the lag, right? So in this particular situation, it's there's some strategic projects that I really want to get done. So we said, all right, here's your strategic projects. What are the things that we could do consistently that are going to give us the best chance to achieve them? And then we define those and it drives what we call an avatar health. So in this case, there's seven things every week that have to be done. Things like meet with our development team with a project plan and a follow-up email every time. I know if we have a project plan and we have a follow-up email and those meetings are happening, great things will happen with that project, right, to complete it. Another one on that list might be to have one call weekly with one of our coaches on the team to gather information and learn to do evaluation of how we can make the company better. So anyway, we define, you know, seven of those. And if those are completed, there's a percentage completion, which drives the avatar. So let's say at the end of the month, avatar health is 90%, then he or she would get 90% of the 5,000 for that month. Now, watch what happens. I don't, I don't care if all that happens in one day. I don't care if it happens in seven days. I, I don't care what time it happens. I, 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 I'm able to create ownership versus another word that I just don't like anymore, and I used to love it, is accountability. I. I just, it's no fun to drag someone up the hill. I don't want to be dragged up the hill. Now, there are places it's valuable. I, I know for myself, I love working out. But if I don't do that with someone else or have a team that I'm with held accountable with, I'm not going to get the same play of game in my workouts as I would alone. That's just me. Now, some people can do that. I've just found that personally for me, I played a whole nother level when I had that, but I'm also all in, right? I'm like, I want to achieve big goals in my health. And so I set up, back to your other question, Matt, like I set up a culture of, that naturally gravitates towards my strengths and manages my potential weaknesses. I don't try to take my weaknesses and overcome them. I just put a culture in place that makes sure that I'm protecting against those so they can't get me as easy. Where early on, before I knew what I didn't know what I didn't know, I, I would I would land in a lot of traps because I'd have this very innovative thinking, visionary thinking and not realize, oh, it's really, really important that you have tight financials in place. It's really, really important that you have process systems, procedures. So having people around me that can help in those areas while I can still think bigger and, and live in my my most passionate, creative, genius place is amazing. But I think a lot of entrepreneurs, they have that, right? But they end up in a trap of a self-employed slave model Because they keep spinning and it's tight, like they're tight with like, you know, can I afford this? Can I afford that? And and I say the best investment you can make is into yourself or in your business. I mean, you're going to get the biggest lifts because you have the most control, the most passion, the most. So start there and then start diversifying from there. If you're an entrepreneur, make the investment to get an assistant, make the investment to to outsource some things, make the investment to get a coach to walk through someone that's been through this stuff. I started doing that really early on, and you know, I look at my vision boards from back then or my journals, and it was like these crazy dreams that are now reality. And I'm like, wow, because back then it was all operating on faith. You know, it's like I believed it could happen, but now it actually happened, and now I'm having to come up bigger, bolder goals what's possible.
0: Rich, I believe that you have successfully taken us down the rabbit hole. I want to thank you for that. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) A a lot of good stuff here. I want to go backwards and unpack a couple of things because I've I've made some notes and there are two main ideas. I want to go back to the idea of creating this this business format, this environmental format, where you start with the end in mind. You, You talk about the lag goals, the things that you're You have to do a lot to get the apple orchard to produce apples. So what you're suggesting is that we start with the end in mind and the leader set this very clear goal of here is what success looks like. And then from there, you look at each person on the team and you break down by role, here's the contribution that we need for you to make. And if you break it down to the people on the team and they know that when their performance is at this level, then the team wins. That's where the performance based model works is everyone is super clear on here's what I need to do in my role. And I think that's what's one of the things that then we kind of go back to the industrial evolution concept of, you know, everyone was hourly, you know, everyone came in and worked there together. They worked the same place for 30 years, pensions in place, whatnot. You know, that may have been the original place you're talking about where we get stuck in the hourly mindset that, you know, I just got to go and clock in and get the job done versus. I get to go to work and when I get this result achieved, then I can go home and I can do it not in 40 hours. If I can do it in one hour and figure out an innovative way to get it done quickly or more effectively, then I don't have to spend the time clocked in like that. I can do it as quickly as as my skill level will empower me to get there. That's the first thing I heard. The second thing, and that's brilliant, love that, the second thing that you shared was creating a culture where everyone gets to play to their strengths. Rather than getting stuck in the trap and going down the rabbit hole of your weaknesses, you get to play to your strengths and you create a very intentional culture around that. Uh, and those are the two main ideas that I took away from this section. And I wanna thank you for that. Today's episode is sponsored by Positive Attitude. It's the thing you want with you everywhere you go. It can be your greatest asset, your greatest friend. You may not get a lot of compliments on it. It can be the unsung hero. In fact, the opposite, a bad attitude can bring you down. A bad attitude can drive the right people away from you. A bad attitude can bring other miserable people towards you. A positive attitude is a great way to start and live your life every single day. Positive Attitude. Sponsored of the eternal optimist podcast so rich i'd like to ask you about challenges and things you've overcome and i know you've overcome quite a few things can you share with our listeners, maybe a, a list out uh the top few challenges and then i'll ask you some questions around one or two of those and kind of get as, as deep as you're comfortable getting with some of these challenges
1: yeah let me put let me put all the challenges out there first and then we can and i'm okay to go to any of these I think it first starts with, and I didn't realize this till, as of late, but when I was a young kid, I was diagnosed with cystic fibrosis at age four. The doctors gave me a year, two years at the most to live. And I remember my mom saying, you know, we have to accept this. Like, this is, this is what it is with my dad. And I remember my dad staying up late, screaming to God, saying, this is not an option. And I remember I didn't want to inconvenience my parents. So because I would be thrown out most nights, I remember throwing up into the into the heating vents, because I, I didn't want to have my mom to. she was already so tired. And I just didn't want to put that burden on her. So I'd throw up in the heating vent in my bathroom, so that she didn't have to clean it up. And then I remember later realizing that that created a big smell. It made a much worse situation than I realized. Um, but I thought I was doing the right thing. You know, I, I really was doing it because I didn't want to put that burden on her. Yet it created a more of a burden because then we had to create a major smell through the house. We didn't know where it was coming from. And later that I was misdiagnosed, it wasn't cystic fibrosis. So I remember meeting with other kids that had cystic fibrosis that were going to die. And I remember my parents saying to the hospital, We're going to go on a trip around the world with you. They're going to take everything they had available to them to take me on a trip around the world before I die. I just, that, that, and then it was, it turned out to be severe allergies. Although I didn't know it was trauma at the time and I wasn't aware, I didn't know what I didn't know. I mean, I was just like, you, you don't know. I mean, you're a kid, but I've, as I've experienced things in my life going forward, When I borrowed $26,000 from friends and family after graduating with Tony Robbins at the ripe old age of 21, I thought I had it all figured out and lost all of that money and in deposits, completely freaked out. I thought my life was literally over at 21. Right, And my mom, God rest her soul. I mean, she really nursed me back to life just one little step at a time. I was living in my friend's couch and she's like, come home, come home. I'm like, no, I can't. I failed. I failed. And and I finally went back and crawled in the bed, pulled the sheets, covers over my head. And, and she rubbed my back and she's like, if you can just do me one favor. And I said, okay, mom, what? She's like, can you just get up and brush your teeth? You, your your breath smells. Like, okay, fine. I get up. I do that. And then I'm right back in the bed. And the next day it was like, can you do me one more favor? Okay. She said, can you take a shower? You kind of smell. So I took a shower. And the next day it was, can you can eat some crackers like she literally nursed me back to life. I look at the direction and how, you know, whether that's a parent, a mentor, a coach, a friend can have on somebody else's life. I mean, that powerful to help. And yeah.
0: Well, Rich, if um, I can jump in, what just to be clear here, we're at a place where you're 21, you have borrowed $26,000 from friends of yours, from family of yours to start a business venture and it has just failed. You've lost this money. That's where you're at right now. And your mom is nursing you back. I mean, encouraging you, supporting you, nursing you back to life. That must have felt at that age, without any financial success yet in life, but if compared to where we are now, that must have felt like the entire world is crashing down uh, to lose that. you know, Can you magnify that for us a little bit of, of how that felt in that moment you realized this and what got you to that place where you're kind of at home in bed.
1: Yeah, it's interesting, you know, to look back at that, and at, literally at that time, it was the deepest, darkest place I could have imagined when I when I think about then. But then, as I now look at my life from 21 to now at 53, I am starting to see how the tragedies, the darkness, the the Things that happen to us are all happening for us. And, and i give you an example because then um, well, going through a divorce was extremely challenging. You know, I never thought that would happen ever in a bazillion years. And it was a core value and one, you know, it's just kind of one erosion after another. And, and all of a sudden you know, we're in that situation. And that was hard. You know that was really hard, but I think one of the most challenging things I've ever dealt with is you know when Lori and I got married. You know I'm coach, right? I like I I I want to do like what my mom did. I want to be able to be there for others, to be an encourager, a, a place of light, a place of hope. And when our oldest son Drew passed away, um, was killed in a car accident, that was by far the most challenging thing I had to go through at many, many, many levels though, because it was watching this person that I care so much about Lori in so much deep pain, like the only thing I can do. And and, and I realized now like that was a deeper lesson for me because there was no fixing. There was no, all I could do is do my best, which I'm not very good at a lot is, but I've gotten better at it. Is to be fully present with her feelings and emotions, and that meant I'm feeling a lot of those things too. Not even close to love she was, but tell you when losing a child, like and he was 33, but there's just no deeper pain than any human being I can that, that to experience, you know. And so, you know, when I look back, I guess flashing back to what you're saying with when I was 21, and then going through the divorce and some of those really dark times, is that my faith has increased so much more about that, that it's so much bigger than what appears to be. And my relationship with God has increased and just the serenity realizing that, you know, like it's, it, it's just opened up a much bigger place for me around. Mm-hmm.
0: Wow. That's uh that's deep. And wow, Rich, I, I go back to the, being 21 and, and you, you felt this deep, immense pain that you'd lost, that you failed, and kind of the theme of uh, your your family member, your mother, you had someone there that cared for you and that mentally encouraged you, supported you to get back up and try it again. That seems like a, a really crucial part uh, of you being able to make that comeback there. And then you shared this great thought of that everything that's happening It's not happening uh, to us, it's happening for us. And then can you share an example of how is that a divorce happening for you? How is the death of a child happening for you? I I love the concept, but I don't quite understand it fully. And I'd love for you to dive in and share how you've come to understand that through these very challenging examples. If you could start with them, how did that happen for you, the the business failure at 21, and then move forward, please?
1: Well, that one at 21 happening for me is that I'm glad I learned that lesson at 21 with only $26,000 instead of millions and millions, because if I didn't learn that early, and I still had to have many reminders along the way, and I still get reminded now of those blind spots for me, but it circles back to the place of having people around me that are really great with structure and numbers and that I have systems and processes and bumper rails in place so that I can operate within my zone and move forward. So right, the mind scan for example, I mean that great tool that that I learned about later that showed me that, right? It really helped me to see that. So at the time I didn't think it was happening for me, but when I look back, I realize it was happening for me. Going through a divorce at the time very very dark, very challenging, so difficult to tell the kids, to share with the kids to happening for me is that i had to really do some deep soul searching on it you know, when i got when i remarried i was having a lot of the same kinds of challenges that i had when i was married the first time i thought what is going on and to realize that i was the common denominator there were some deeper things within myself and the way i was looking at relationships or roles within a relationship and partnership that i had to learn. And I went through a lot of counseling and a lot of soul searching to strengthen my own depth of what was going on within me and how I could be a better husband, a better leader, a better father, a better man. I had to, I had to work on myself. Right. And so although it was dark, I think those times are, are happening for us, for our own awakening, you know, for our own spiritual awakening and our journey.
0: I want to pause and just appreciate you for a moment, Rich, of having the, well, now the reflective ability to share that with the audience. That's a super important point. When you're challenged in some way, you looked at yourself. And you looked at how can I strengthen me? And what's the common denominator in some of these challenges I'm having? And relationally, you had to look at yourself. And that's where so many people don't do it. They don't look at themselves. They always look externally and see the problem is with them. It's not in me. The problem is, you know, the government did this to me. The problem is the other person did. The other driver, the other da-da-da, your approach is to look inside yourself and you went so far as to get counseling uh you know to get coaching you know to work on you and i want to appreciate you for that that's a major nugget i hope our listeners pick up is look at yourself first and strengthen myself in these areas so if you could pick it back up uh the divorce was challenging you you worked on you you worked on you and you come to this place number of years later where you would shared the challenge of, of losing your son when he was 33 can you go to that if, if you're able to go to that and uh talk how that may have happened for you and and the things that you take away from that to this day?
1: What was really tough on that one is you start thinking like, Could I have done this? Could I have done that? Could I have done you know, you start playing these games, you know, like taking blame. You know, when anything happens so tragic like that, like we just want it to go away, you know, I I start thinking like, well, maybe oh, you know. Because he was at it was at night, he was driving back, you know from a catering, uh he was the passenger in the car, and I started thinking like, "Oh, you know, gosh, maybe if I would have called him that night or why wasn't he with us during that time, or you know what if what if what if we start going down this path?" But what's really helped me to even get through this, right, again, my faith has increased exponentially but what it's also done i feel like even though it's been really really challenging at, heart, at times right it's expanded my ability to feel and have empathy at another level like there's nothing to fix with lori or anybody else for that matter nobody is broken it's just around love and grace so what what it's done for me what what how that served me is for me to be a better example of love and grace, of what God is showing us, and, and I think you can go look. Like even getting mad at God, right? Like, how can God do this? Right? If God's timing is perfect, how how can something tragic happen? How can someone die? Like well, that doesn't make sense, right? What kind of God is that that would allow pain, suffering? But even when you look at what was happening with the disciples around the table, He already knew that Judas was going to betray him. God, his father, Jesus' father, knew that Judas was going to betray him. He said, I will give the bread. Whoever drinks this cup will betray me. Even Peter, one of his best, you know, most encouraged, most energetic disciples, Simon Peter, you know, he said, you're going to deny me three times. And Peter's like, no way this will happen. But it had to happen to show the brokenness of us as human beings, right? Sometimes... Remember, God's lag indicator It's for us to love and have grace in His image, right? He's after a bigger picture. It's around us realizing that it is love and grace. That's it. Like, ultimately, right? I mean, like, to grow more in His image. So I think that although God does not cause sin, I believe He will allow tragedies to happen that draw us closer to Him in our faith walk, even horrific things but through that darkness god sacrificed his own son on the cross bleeding in the worst possible way you can imagine i mean i i can barely handle the cup your car you know and drew dying let alone letting and watching my own son watch uh, your own son dying across and bleeding that's that is the ultimate pain and someone already did that for us <laughs> That's unbelievable. Thank
0: you, Rich. Think about uh,
1: that. Because uh, someone already died for all of our sins because we are imperfect. Someone already did that. Someone already made an ultimate sacrifice for us. And sometimes without the darkness, we don't get the depth of seeing the light and how powerful it is. Wow. Because I don't know how anyone can possibly go through something that tragic without... Of faith in something so much bigger. It's not possible. I don't know how anyone could possibly do it, not knowing there's a God so much bigger than what we see.
0: Wow. It's hard to follow up on that. I thank you for going deep with me, Rich, and, you know, and bearing, being vulnerable and bearing your soul. And, and, you know, I love you for that. Thank you, brother, for enabling yourself to share that with everyone. And, you know, what I bring it back to, what I'm hearing you share in relation to how this is for us is. It's an opportunity for us to lean into that love, lean into that grace uh, and any challenge that may come up, especially the the most tragic ones uh, are an opportunity for us to to learn more about love and grace you know and from a frame of a strong faith, it's His love and grace you know and to put ourselves in that perspective and have that empathy and that's very challenging uh to accept, I'm sure you know having been through that tragedy that you have. But thank you for putting it to us so eloquently. Certainly appreciate that, Rich. Thank you, Rich, for being here today. Uh, Certainly appreciate it, brother. We've gone very deep today. And I'd like to go to a place now to wrap up with a question. Any advice you can offer our listeners on creating your own future and moving confidently in that direction?
1: I think the first thing on that, Matt, is... Is really getting called from a place that's deep within your soul. I'll give you an example. I, I wrote this at 18, and this was because of coaching, right? I mean, I, and this has been my beacon, my litmus test, my, you know, snap the, the plumb line, right? I know that the purpose of my life is to live a healthy, vibrant life full of passion, love, and ecstasy for all of God's creations, to give, receive, and accept abundance with open arms while constantly and consistently growing and expanding my identity about what's possible in an infinite universe overflowing with miracles, opportunities, and possibilities. My life work is to live a healthy, vibrant life full of passion, love, and ecstasy for all of God's creations while helping people reach their true potential, whatever that might be for them. So that that was my, and and, and I guess my point on that is because I think one of the biggest failures in this life is to have success without fulfillment. It's why so many people retire and then they're watching TV all day or drinking or because they lose their purpose, their, their significance. And so I think the earlier we can start with creating uh, a beachhead, a, a, a stake in the ground of what are you called to do in this lifetime? I think it has to start there because so often once we have you know, that car, that house, that that relationship, that perfect body, that this, 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 all these things that we're gonna have peace or happiness. And I don't I think it's reverse. I think we gotta start with what we're called to do and then expand it from that. And and then that's that's the real blessing. Now, don't get me wrong, I love great toys, planes, houses, cars. Boats, I love all that. Malt house, I love all that. I love travel. But I I just think if you're not following your calling, then, you know, so it's got to start there. Now, once you get that, then apply the principles. And you may not have it right away. Some people don't get it in their lifetime. That's okay. But you can do things to find it. But once you get it, if you do get it, or you think you're close, or you might not be there at all, just keep taking one step in front of the other and operate from love and grace for yourself, right? Knowing that God gave it to you, love and grace, for yourself. Because you can't give what you don't have. So if you don't have love and grace for yourself, knowing it comes as a free gift from God to us, then we can give that to others is the love and grace. So establish the purpose, then that. And then follow, you know, the stuff that we always talk about, Matt, right? Take ownership. I look at like, the people in my life that I have the biggest frustrations with are all my greatest teachers. They're there happening for me, not against me. They're there to help me be my very best. Right. And so when I get tweaked in a way from a conversation with somebody or some situation that I have to go to myself and say, what am I learning from that? Where's my opportunity to grow in my faith and my discernment where, because if it's not love and grace, it's just sharpening me to create more love and grace. Right. And so that's so yeah, I would say define your purpose the best you can. If you don't have it, fine, just take next steps and then and then apply the the lagly lift concept of gamification, right? And take ownership for anything you're feeling, that anything that's happening outside of you that that rubs you the wrong way or creates discomfort, those are all your best teachers learn from them. Every one of them, they're there for a reason. There's nothing happening accidentally. Everything's happening exactly the way it should.
0: Wow. Uh, wow. I, I took some notes. I have been on a roller coaster with you in this discussion, Rich. i have uh, over here trying to keep together uh, when you're talking about some of the challenges and tragedies. And then I'm getting real technical with you when you're talking about You know, the lag lead lifts, the gamification, the performance and presence uh, model that we're building towards in in the company. And now taking your advice, uh, I thank you. Thank you so much for offering uh, a number of different levels today. Uh, I love you, man. I appreciate you coming on today. Thanks so much. Look forward to next time when we connect.
1: Sounds great. Love you, Matt. You're awesome. Keep on rocking, brother.
0: Appreciate you, brother. Thanks for listening to the Eternal Optimist Podcast. You can check the show notes for information about today's episode. And please share the show with that friend who is wanting to think bigger. We'll see you next time.